So when you mentioned that 34% of plan participants didn't contribute enough to even get the match, going back to kind of that math that I used before, Mm -hmm. that's 66% of the people that chose not to participate in the match. You know, that's, it's just ridiculous. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast this week with Michael Stewart and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And we're going to talk about some eye-opening stats here on today's show on how Americans save. But first, let's say hi to Mike. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing very well. Football season, and we're still playing, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be uh, interesting if it started up, went, a se- went like a weekend or two, and then they were like, nope, got to shut it down again. So This is true. Who knows? Fingers crossed, yeah. A little weird though, right? So some of the stand stuff, some of the, I don't know, it's a little strange. All the sports things are a little strange to me. I've seen so many different things between baseball and and, uh, the different sports and some of the ways that the stadiums are doing stuff. And it just feels weird. I don't know. How about you? It does, but at least it's an outlet, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess it's a way to uh, let your mind wander someplace else for a little while. So good stuff. Well, anyway, so yeah, with football's back in, so hopefully some folks are out there enjoying that. But I got a little bit of news here I wanted to ask you about, get your take on this and uh, and see what you think. Obviously, we've had, you know, what was a pretty rough beginning of the year, February, March. Uh, and then as April rolled around, Mike, it, it, the market just kind of, you know, I don't know if it would like like a rocket, but it's been pretty steady April through August. And in the last few weeks here in September, we've had a bit of volatility, but there's still so many indicators out there, people saying that the economy's still in really bad shape, and yet we see that the market doing what it is. I mean, we're basically in, you know, one index is better than it was pre-COVID. The other one's almost back to where it was pre-COVID. So it's very conflicting signals. Yeah, and I think that's the issue that a lot of people have is that those things are kind of uncorrelated, right? What's going on in the real world versus what's going on in the stock market? And what we share with clients is that you have to understand that the stock market is not the economy. You know, so when you see, you know, restaurants close down, retail stores for lease, uh, individuals, you know, still eight to ten percent, you know, currently unemployed at the time of this t- taping. You know, in the real world, there's still a lot of economic pain and things that we're working through. Whereas the stock market, two of the three indexes, as you mentioned, the Nasdaq and the S&P 500, are at all-time highs and and then some. You know, and the Dow Jones isn't isn't far behind. But if really, when you take a look at it, you, you take a look at what's really rallied most. So everything hasn't been equal. Everything hasn't been rallying. It's primarily been your technology names, your health healthcare names, especially if you're making a vaccine these days. What (laughs) hasn't rallied are things like your financials, your energy companies, your industrials, of course, any of the air lodging cruises, those kind of things. So, you know, we've been telling clients that although it looked like it was going to be a V recovery, just with all the government stimulus, that we thought it was going to be a little bit more of a W. You know, we'll get a pause this fall before we start moving forward. But what a lot of people are starting to say is that that recovery really looks more like a K. And what that means is, you know, there's winners and there's losers. So you kind of think about how that K branches out. Some things are still shooting straight up and some things are still down below. Hmm. So, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, what we really need is in some industries, you know, a little bit more stimulus from the government. Politics is kind of playing its way into it right now because there's certain industries that still are lagging behind and there's still a large unemployed contingent that still needs some sort of support. Interesting. Okay. I wouldn't have thought about that, but that's uh, certainly going to be unique to watch. And of course, it's probably going to stay um, 
volatile and, and interesting <laughs> for the remainder of the year since we're <laughs> at the time we're taping this we're inching our way closer and closer to uh, the election in uh, in November so we'll see what happens as we move forward we're in mid-September right now so we got a little bit of ways to go but for now let's go ahead and talk about some of these eye-opening stats on how Americans save and, and this actually might kind of add a little bit of uh, light to that conversation we just had now this is Vanguard's uh, How Americans Saves 2020 report Mike that we're basing this off and of. we're taking this information from and there's some intriguing stats and lots of things in there to kind of go over now to be fair it's, they're saying that a lot of this data is probably 2019 and in, into the early parts of 2020. But still, it gives us a, you know an interesting way to look at some of this. And so I wanted to get your kind of key takeaways uh, from the study and how you might compare that to normal, if there is such a thing, behaviors uh, that you've seen through your many years of doing this. So the data shows that defined contribution plans, you know, 401ks, 403bs, the alphabet soup, all that stuff, are now used by more than 100 million Americans with assets in excess of $8.8 trillion. Now, that sounds like a whole lot of money, but what about your client base? Um, are defined contribution plans pretty much the centerpiece of a lot of people's retirement plans or things when they come in to see you? Yeah, for those clients that are still working, uh, and if they have a 401k or 43b at work, or even a 457 if they work for a municipality, uh, they, they are. They're taking advantage of it. We're running the numbers and saying if cash flow allows, how much money either pre-tax does it make sense to put away, or if they have a Roth option in there where it can grow tax-free, you know, then we make Roth 401k contributions. You know, at least up until you get the match, and then even then some, depending on how good or bad you know you, you've been at as far as what you've already saved. So I think the key thing on that is you know you got to take advantage of these plans because there's some tax benefits, either you know tax-free or pre-tax, that you need to take advantage of. Yeah, that tends to fall in line with that a little bit. What's your reactions to some of these following stats? Fifteen uh, percent of plan participants use catch-up contributions when offered. What's your thoughts there? Uh, my thought is that that's 85% of people that aren't using catch-up contributions <laughs> okay. you know, when they should be. The catch-up contribution means that if you're 50 years of age or older, there's an extra dollar amount that you're allowed to save up to $5,000 extra in these business retirement plans. So if you're you know, a little behind the eight ball as far as savings, you need to be one of the, the 15% needs to be higher on that so that you can rebuild those retirement savings as you get closer to retirement. Okay. And also 20% of plan participants use the Roth or some sort of after-tax option, again, when offered. Uh, yeah, I had mentioned that. Not everybody has a Roth 401k. It's usually some of the bigger plans that are out there. The difference is, you know, your traditional 401k, it's all pre-tax. So you get a little bit of a tax break right now. So you put a dollar in, a dollar gets invested. But when it comes out later, if that dollar grows to 20, you know, at retirement, you're going to pay taxes on the 20, you know, so it's kind of the seed and the harvest kind of thing. The Roth option is you go ahead and pay taxes today, but in 10, 20, 30, however many years down the road, whatever that goes to is completely tax-free, including the growth going forward. So typically you want to work with your advisor and find out, you know, given my scenario, given my time frame, which makes more sense to go in the pre-tax or go into the Roth. Okay. Well, we're talking about these stats uh, from this Vanguard study, How America Saves 2020. It says the average number of funds that are offered typically in a plan is around 17.4, but the average number of funds used is only around 2.4. Is this a reflection of the common criticism that there really aren't a lot of choices in many of these defined contribution plans, or is it more that people just get overwhelmed? What's your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I think it really boils down to two different things related to you know the number of funds in a plan, especially versus the number that they're using. So the reason you know now I'd say over the past decade that people are using less number of funds than they used to in the past has to do with what they call target date funds. So a target date fund is an example. It might be target 2030. That means that they're going to manage the money and the risk for you on your behalf as if you're going to retire in 2030. So every year it gets a little bit more conservative. Uh, that, you know, so that's that's one thing. So that's kind of an all-in-one bundle. And that's why a lot of people, maybe the, the number of funds used has gone down. The bigger issue is really that first one. When he said that there's 17.4 funds on average, you know, when I talk to clients, I usually say, you know, 25 funds or so within your 401k. But what you see is when you start getting 55, especially 60, and you're getting close to retirement, you can kind of see in the next three, five, 10 years that you're going to retire. Of those 17 funds on average, 15 of them are stock funds. You know, they're international, small company, big company, you know, mid-sized company. And only a couple of them are either kind of stable value cash type funds or bond funds that really have a really low interest rate or dividend that they're paying you. So the problem with that is as you're getting closer to retirement, you might want to get a little bit more conservative there aren't really any good choices within the 401k where you can still get a reasonable rate of return. And that's where a lot of clients, when they hit 59 and a half, uh, they'll work with us on what we call an in-service rollover. And that means that they no longer have to settle for those 17 fund choices, most of them being more aggressive than what they'd like. They can actually roll that money out of their 401k into an IRA, have it managed for them in whatever options are more suitable for them, and still participate in that 401k at work. Hmm. You know, okay. So that's the, that's the bigger issue about having, you know, kind of not having control over all the investment choices. A really interesting conversation here today on this stuff. I, I find this stuff really fascinating. And I'll circle back a little bit here because, you know, we when I mentioned the uh, lack of people, I suppose, uh, you actually mentioned the lack of people maybe not taking advantage of the catch-up contributions. In that same vein, not everybody takes advantage of the matching as well. It says in 2019, 34% of plan participants did not contribute enough to meet the employer's match, which is kind of staggering, really. 18% matched it exactly, but contributed nothing more. And 48% contributed more than the employer match. Is there ever a reason for that 34%, Mike, to not at least meet the employer match? I get it this year was things got tight and tough and so on and so forth. But how do you guide people, you know, in that kind of scenario? Yeah, two words. Free money, right? So <laughs> other people's have, free money, <laughs> other people, OPM, other people's money, right? So the, the key thing is at a minimum, independent of whatever your long-term goals are, at a minimum, you've got to at least contribute enough to get the match from your employer. Why? Because it's free other people's money. So, and, you know, and the biggest thing about 401ks, and it's a big challenge on the participation level, how much people put in, you know, they can put in up to $25,000 plus a year if they're over, if they're over 50. And a lot of people I'll see when they come in and visit this first time, they're putting in 5,000, they're putting in 10,000, but they don't even have any idea of how much they need to be putting in to achieve the goals and retire in the lifestyle that they want. So when you mentioned that 34% of planned participants didn't contribute enough to even get the match, going back to kind of that math that I used before, mm -hmm. that's 66% of the people that chose not to participate in the match. You know, that's it's just ridiculous. So yeah. at some point, whether it's on your own or it's working with an advisor, you need to get some kind of direction and understand not only what your investment options are within the plan, but at what levels you need to contribute to achieve the things that you're trying to and how to take advantage and actually, you know, recover from 
uh, being able to get a match. So it's not just only about the investment options, it's about understanding the tax benefits, understanding the match benefits, and making sure that you're making decisions that are in your family's best interest. Yeah, use the opportunities when they are available to you. So uh, great point there. Uh, an amazing takeaway from this study as well is also the average rate of return, Mike. It says uh, from 2015 to 2019 is the four sample years there, or five, I guess. 2015 is negative 0.4%. 2016, and again, this is the average rate of return. 2016, 8.3, so a pretty massive jump. 2017, 18%. 2018, negative 5, so back down again. And then, of course, 2019 was a big boom year at 22.4%. Now, we know the ups and downs of 2020 already. Is this an illustration in your mind to, I guess, year-over-year fluctuations of the market? Yeah, I think it is. I think the, the way that you have to look at this is everybody says they understand that the markets go up and down, right? But once they go down, people feel a lot different than how excited they were when things go up. You know, So in March, when the markets were selling off 35, 40% or so, people were panicking. But what you, what you have to realize as a longer-term investor is in order to get the long-term return, you have to be invested for the long-term. So you can't make short-term decisions on long-term money. So if this is retirement money and you're still 5, 10, 15, 20 years away from retirement, these are all just going to be hiccups along the path to you having a successful retirement. Now, if you're somebody who's near in retirement or in retirement and you're taking too much risk, well, then that's a whole different conversation. Then your financial plan needs to dictate how much risk should I take so that you know, no market upheaval, good or bad, is going to derail what, what you're trying to accomplish in retirement. Yeah. But yeah, you have, you have to understand that it's, it's a rocky road, but it still leads you to where you need to get to. Right. Very true. Well, you know, and of course, if you have questions, folks, and I usually say this throughout the show anyway, but uh, anything that you're hearing that you kind of piques your interest before you take any action or anything like that, if you want to learn more, just reach out to Michael at 815-526-3092 here on the podcast, 815-526-3092. Just a couple more here uh, on the show. Orphan funds, we sometimes call them orphaned accounts when you leave uh, an employer and you kind of leave that old 401k or whatever behind. Uh, that was in there as well. 80% of participants who have been terminated or left uh, still have assets with a prior employee. But what they went on to say is it actually means that 90% of all of those available assets available to distribute or roll over are still sitting inside these defined contribution plans. So what's the impact, Mike, of you know a lot more of that 96% of assets making its way into IRAs or Roth IRAs? I think for the individual investor, for the person whose account that it is, it's really, really what we talked about with some of the limitations within current 401ks and things right now is it gives you financial freedom and it gives you financial freedom in a way that now you can be empowered with knowledge. You can be empowered with more investment choices than that 17.4 and more of them too risky than maybe what you need. You know, And it gives you an opportunity to coordinate that retirement account, roll it over to an IRA and coordinate it with the other financial things going on in your life. You know, rather than just saying, oh, that's an old plan from an old 401k, I'll look at it, you know, when I get close to retirement. Mm -hmm. Instead, you want to coordinate that with everything else that you're doing, your, your new current 401k, your other investment assets that you have, and just really your overall financial decision making. Now, this last one here, I'll be curious to get your take on this because it really depends on what the individual's definition of balanced is. But it goes on to say 76% of participants in DC plans were deemed to have balanced strategies. Now, that seems like a pretty good number, really. Is that the case when you meet with people? Do you think 76% of them, especially new clients, obviously, would are balanced? 
I think this gets kind of spun around in a couple different ways. So one is a lot of people think that they're balanced. And then when I look at their statement, they're 80% stocks, 20% bonds or 90% stocks. So that's not a balance at all. You know, they might have a variety of different types of stock funds in there, but that's not a balance at all. They're very equity heavy. You know, when the market goes up, that's great. But when it goes down, not so much. So a lot of times they don't even know how they're invested. The second part is, and it's something that anybody within five to 10 years of retirement needs to be very careful of, is that there's a lot of funds out there called balanced funds, or we mentioned the target date funds before, you know, where they manage the risk for you. I'll give you an example of one, uh, a very, one of the largest ones that's out there with a big, you know, company that begins with a V and it's in almost every retirement plan and it's called the target date 2020 fund and it's a balanced fund. So it means that, you know, you're expected to be retiring this year. Well, their allocation for somebody retiring this year is 60% stocks, 40% bonds. So if you're somebody in your early mid 60s and right about to retire and you're going to need this money for retirement income and in, you know later this year or going into next year should you really have 60% of your money at risk? Right. No. So you know that's you have to be very careful about what the mutual fund company calls balanced and what you think is balanced may not align and be the same thing. So you definitely need some sort of risk analysis to understand how you're invested and make sure that that's appropriate for you given where you are in life. Yeah, that's a really great point. So a lot of times we just don't think about those things. So again, if you want to get a risk analysis, if you want to have a conversation about any of this, then reach out to Mike and his team at 815-526-3092 or stop by the website crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you choose. If you're on the app, you can just simply type in Retirement Success Blueprint and search it out that way. I think it's the heart button on... uh, Apple or whatever the case might be. So either way, lots of different ways to get some content. And while you're at the website, send us an email and we'll see if we can ask them on the show from time to time. And that's what we've got now. We've got Shelby in Barrington and Shelby says, Mike, I'm thinking that I'll spend a lot more money during the first few years of retirement and then a bit less after I've been retired for five years or so. Is that typically how this works? So Shelby, you're right on the first part that you're going to definitely spend more money. And, you know, I use it as almost like when you're raising your kids is that, you know, idle hands, you know, get in trouble mm-hmm. a little bit. And it works the same way for somebody that first retires. Because what happens is now that you don't have that nine to five to go to anymore, every day is Saturday. And what day of the week do you spend most of the money? It's on Saturday, right? That's when you you go out, you go shopping, you do your hobbies, you do those kind of things. So you yep. definitely want to prepare that, you know, that you're going to spend probably more than you normally would in the early early years of retirement. One of my mentors, and I talk about him on the podcast every now and then, is a gentleman by the name of Tom Hegna, and he breaks down retirement into kind of three different areas. So this is where you have to be careful about, you know, extrapolating what your future expenditures are going to be. So he says, you know, you have your go-go years, your go-slow years, and your no-go years. And the go-go years are the first maybe decade of retirement. So, you know, you're in the best health that you're going to have. You're the most active. There's things that you want to do, whether it's travel to see the grandkids, volunteer, do whatever it is. And then that's when you're going to need the most money because that's when you're the most active. So, so Shelby, you are correct in thinking that you, you will need that early on. That's followed by your go slow years, usually your mid 70s and your early 80s. And what happens is you start slowing down a little bit. You're still active, but not quite as much as you were in the past. But a couple things start to happen. One, everything's a little bit more expensive. So you need more income just because of inflation, cost of living, and medical issues start to creep up a little bit. Things start to hurt that maybe didn't hurt in the past. Uh, And then the last thing is your no-go years. No-go years are basically not only do you not want to go, but you can't go anyway. 
So that's going to be, you know, your late 80s into your 90s or so. And that's when long-term care issues creep up, additional medical issues creep up. And once again, inflation is always a concern. So Shelby, what you want to do is plan for retirement income that is going to be rising and going up over time. So you need a retirement income plan to make sure that that's going to happen and not just assume that three years, five years from now that you're going to be spending less money because it usually doesn't work out that way. All right. Well, great question. Thank you so much for submitting that in. We always appreciate those. And that's going to do it this week for us here on the Retirement Success Blueprint Podcast. Again, don't forget to subscribe to the show or check it out on whatever app you like. It's Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher. Uh, Find it all also at Mike's website, crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. Or just give him a call at 815-526-3092 if you've got some questions. Michael, my friend, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great week. And uh, I'll see you soon. All right. Take care, Mark. We'll talk to you next time right here, folks, on Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.